It is hard to believe, but we have had 21 events on live Fox television for the world to see. Last night's event did not disappoint. It has been UFC Fox on 21. After Buzz is here to cover it for you right now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely excited to be here. My name is Christian Cole, and I am joined by two fine panelists, two veterans of AfterBuzz Television to discuss UFC 21. First, allow me to introduce you to our veteran host, Gabriel Gonzalez. Gabriel, how are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm great, man. Hey, fans, you can find me on Twitter to talk everything UFC at Double G on TV. Double G on TV, and without any further ado, I want to introduce a black belt training with Henner Gracie, training with all the Gracies, training with everybody, Mr. Chris Howard. Chris, welcome Thank to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, now, I can't say black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. If I said that, Henner would choke me. And we don't want that. Yeah, no, we don't need that. No. <laughs> but I'm doing well. Well, my mistake uh, on the research for you, Mr. Howard. Uh, that's all right. We are very happy to have you yes, here. Welcome to Thr- the UFC show. Thrilled to be here. Thank you, Gabe. Chris, uh, especially excited to get some of your um, experience as a martial artist and to, to sort of break down these fights that we saw yesterday. We are very excited to have that introspective. Absolutely. Uh, here yeah, at I'm thrilled to do it. Thrilled to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So um, without further ado, we want to get uh, right to the action from what we witnessed uh, uh UFC uh, 21 on Fox. It was really an incredible event. We just talked about it a little earlier when we were having our powwow before the show. Um, This did not disappoint. It was almost a pay-per-view caliber type of card. We had a lot of great fights on the card, a lot of finishes, uh, including one in the main event, which is where we'll start. We saw Carlos Condit um, sort of looking for his place and his future here in the UFC against a formidable opponent in Damian Maya. Uh, a man who is a specialist in 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 uh, in Brazilian, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu and sort of uh, striking and other things, maybe not so much. Although he's no slouch, he is an old school throwback fighter. Where you witnessed uh, guys back in the day, they used to have uh, they they specialize in specific elements of martial arts. Now you have MMA fighters. In this case, you have a guy who is a jiu-jitsu master, and uh, we saw it on display yesterday. No, definitely. I mean, when I was breaking it down, I thought Carlos Condit's versatility, it's going to pose a lot of problems for Damian Maya. I mean, yeah, we've seen Maya over the years grow his stand-up game, but at the same time, it's Carlos Condit. We all saw the war he had with Robbie Lawler. So for Damian Maya to do what he did, it was very impressive, and all of this title shot talk is warranted after that victory. And title shot uh, conversation is is what's happening now. Uh, if you weren't privy to the finish of that fight on Carlos Condit, he actually took him down, took his back, uh, went with a rear naked choke uh, position, but actually didn't lock it underneath the chin, locked it on the top of the chin. Um, can you shed some light, well, Chris, on He sank it pretty good. He had... Uh... When, when he when he took the position, first he started with a body triangle with the legs, and so he had really good control from behind. When he sank the choke in, what what he wasn't able to do was latch on. Typically with the rear naked choke, you look for him to grab the bicep and put the, the hand behind the head or yeah. slice it across the top. And he wasn't able to quite get that. But the the, the V, when the V gets lined up with your... Uh, with your trachea and your windpipe, uh, you can tell. So it became pretty obvious that uh, that he was going to go out. Uh, that Condit was going to go pretty 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 quickly there. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing about Damian Maya though is he's 
he's a serious jujitsu player. He's not, you know, he's, he beat Salo Ribeiro in uh, jujitsu. He's, he had a couple of losses to Roger Gracie, who I've been blessed to train with as well. Roger's like a, a, a big wet blanket. You can't do anything with Roger, <laughs> but Damian Maya is, he's playing at the level. I mean, he fought, he fought Jacques Aré, uh, on a couple of occasions with one win due to an advantage on the jujitsu playing field. So, He's he's a serious player, and the throwback style I thought was the perfect style for this match. Chris, I, I want to go back just real quick to the actual choke. On, can you explain to our viewers at home a little bit about uh, why is it that uh, that choke above the chin there and not below the neck can be just as dangerous, and, and a guy like Carlos Condit, a tough dude, would actually tap out to a choke like that? What does it feel like to have that across the oh, chin? Oh, it sucks. There? <laughs> no, if the, if the choke is sunk uh, pretty pretty deep, and while while we saw it on the top of the chin, it really was underneath as well. Sure. And essentially, for the rear naked choke to work, all you got to do is block the carotid arteries, and it 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 happens pretty darn quickly. I mean, I've I've been choked unconscious before, uh, and I didn't see it coming. You just it, when it hits you, it hits you, and it blocks the blood flow, not the oxygen flow to the brain. And uh, there's nothing you can do when sure. it comes time to tap. You either you either go to sleep or you tap and, and he, he did gonna, tap yeah yeah i was gonna say the thing about a guy like damian maya who's been grappling for so long that even if he doesn't have your necessarily perfect textbook position, yeah. yeah textbook rear naked choke that's gonna cut off the air he's got that kind of grip that it's pretty much like a triangle choke instead he's cutting off the blood on the sides of the windpipe going on so you have to worry about something like that and like you said carlos condit is one of the toughest guys in that division so you have to think, it was putting a lot of damage on him. I think he maybe thought, because Maya was holding it for a few seconds, he maybe thought he could outlast it. Maybe Maya's arms gas out. That's why we saw him kind of... He was waiting for it, mm-hmm. probably a few extra seconds than I think a lot of people were expecting. But I think he understood that, you know, I don't want to cause extra damage by going unconscious. Gabriel, I want to get your opinion on the sure. future for Carlos Condit. We're obviously going to talk about Damian Maya. We're going to talk about his potential to be a champion in the UFC after a very long career there in the yeah. main company where MMA plays, right? But yeah. I'm curious, what what's the future hold for Carlos Condit? That's a very good question. I know that after the fight he was talking about, um, the big quote is that I don't know if I can still, I should still be here at this level anymore. And that's very tough when you consider the fact that in January, he was five minutes away from becoming the UFC welterweight champion. And he's been the interim champion before. He's obviously been in the promotion for a few years now. I think it's tough because he's in a bit of that no man's land. The top of that division is so competitive. You obviously have Tyron Ridley... uh, Tyron Woodley, Robbie Lawler at the top, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is there, now Damian Maya. We have rumors all the time about George St. Pierre coming back. The fact is, Carlos Condit returning to necessarily title contention right now is pretty far off. And for a guy who's been in the promotion that long, has had such a long career, you know, he has to evaluate for himself. He can still fight, there's no question. But I think if the belt is just not going to be there anymore... Does he still have it in him? And that sounds like something that he's been conflicted with a long time, and he alluded to that in the post-fight press conference. You're making a fantastic point, Gabriel. I would suggest that Carlos Condit has never been a prize fighter. He has always had his eyes on the gold. Carlos Condit has always been a alpha male elite fighter, a type of guy who only wants to be there to win championships. He's not like a Nate Diaz or his brother Nick or some of the other fighters who are there to make money, there to just get that next dinner plate on the table. 
Carlos Conda is there to win fights and win championships, and I think he's starting to doubt himself over these last few fights, last year or so. Mm-hmm. When they asked him about retiring, I got the sense that he wasn't ready to commit to that. But does that mean that he would maybe go to a Bellator or to a different company where he can compete and be a big fish in a small pond? We've seen that happen recently with Rory McDonald, which we will talk about yeah. soon uh, in in this broadcast. Um, but uh, Chris, tell me yeah. a little bit. What do you think? I mean, what did you tell from that interview, and what's the future hold well, for Condit? For me, I mean, I think that anytime you capture somebody right after a fight, it's they're in the worst mental state that they could possibly be in. They just lost, and that's that. You know, there's all sorts of things that are going on. He's still processing. You know, so I don't think that I don't I don't put much on the the post fight interview. I just say, okay, here's a guy who uh, got it handed to him basically, and uh, and he's he's down and he's down on himself. I don't think that says anything about the future for him. Uh, I think it'll be a week, two weeks before we hear what's what's really going on coming out of it. And I think especially, Chris, to your point, this was a tough uh this was a tough loss for Condit because he didn't really get to display his skills in this match. He At kind all. of started to go uh he was gonna try a striking battle. He he uh they he, uh Maya pardon me shot the takedown I think with a double leg, put him down yeah. on the ground, took his back and choked him out. Yeah. So we didn't get to see Carlos Condit this version of him in August 2016, what he can do now. Yeah. I think Condit's going to come back and want to display whether he has those skills. Really a bad matchup with yeah. Maya. Maya's a jiu-jitsu master, I mean, and he displayed it yesterday. Um, I was, and, we yeah, also go got to mention the fact Carlos did acknowledge that he was also rattled by the ground and pound. So he, even his defense on the ground, he admitted, you know, it, Maya just essentially found the mark early and often, and obviously he got that three-minute victory. But... Yeah, it's tough. Remember that he also was out pretty much a year after the injury to Tyron Woodley. So you have to think maybe he's starting to feel the miles a little bit. But definitely, I think he has a, at least a, one or two more great fights in him. I think after he gets the loss out of his system, then he will really evaluate what's next. Is he going to stay in the UFC? Does he want to maybe try a payday in Bellator? But I think definitely Carlos Condit, he's got a lot of fight left in him. I think he's a he's still a young guy. He's still he's still at the top of his game. He's just fighting in the num you know, like these guys in UFC are no joke. I mean, no. so I think he there's still a lot of money to be made if you're Carlos Condit. I could see a potential rise again, maybe, but um, it'll be sad to see if he does hang him up because I'm a big Carlos Condit fan. That is one of the toughest fighters in uh, in, in UFC, and he kind of has this commercial appeal that I dig about him too. Um, that's really good for the company. Uh, but let's switch gears down. The, to the only thing I'll say is that yeah. uh, with this with this sick skill level of Damian Maya. There's, it's no wonder that he walked right through him, and Carlos Condit is a very capable fighter with the right matchups. Right. And so I think I, I don't think he's going to have any problems coming back once he gets over the post-fight Chris, can he, yeah. beat, can he beat a Tyrone Woodley? Like in a fantasy booking right now, you put those two together. I think it's possible. Yeah. I think yeah. it's possible. Okay. That's yeah, fair, yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't really get to see what would have happened. Obviously, when they fought once before, Tyrone Woodley was winning the first round before Condit went out with the, I believe it was the ACL yes. tearing his knee. a couple years back. Yeah, yeah, so we never got to see what would have played out, but certainly on paper, that was another fight we thought Condit-Woodley that's a pretty even fight, considering how explosive and dynamic those two are. Absolutely. Um, you know, we just talked about Tyrone Woodley, and that seems to be in the sights of Damian Maya. It seems to me like 
uh, Dana and, 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 and the booking crew are going to want that matchup next. Although we do know that Woodley has a fight coming up, Maya said in his post-fight interview he will wait to see who wins that fight and then take the winner of that. I think he deserves it. He's, I think, ranked number four going into the fight yesterday. We will probably see him jump up at least to three or maybe even number two uh, in the world. Um, what does Damian Maya need to do to beat a guy like Tyrone Woodley if that's the matchup that ends up happening? I think you got to go back to exactly how he fought Condit. Just really put that pressure first. Don't let Woodley establish any striking um, early on on the feet. And I think he obviously he knows the advantage for him is on the ground. Woodley, yes, great wrestler, but put him on his back. Obviously, that's exactly where Damian Maya wants him. Um, getting there, though, that's another big question. Like we talked about, um, St- Woodley has business with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, first of all. Yes. There's no guarantee he gets by no, that kind of beast. Not. No, there's not. But then the, uh, Ariel Hawani put it very bluntly, Wonderboy Thompson has earned it. If GSP comes back, uh, he should be fighting for the title. That's the money fight everyone wants to see. So Damian Maya as the third guy in line, even, you know, convincingly so, I'm not sure if waiting it is smart, but if you think maybe possibly a year to a year and a half waiting, because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen with this I predict that division. maybe it might be a year or so till Maya gets that shot with, with yeah. Wonderboy, and, and if Wonderboy yeah. takes the belt off Woodley, that could be even longer, so, yes. uh, but a, a year, you know, Chris, uh, talk about what you would think, I mean... What, how would it make you feel as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, as right. a martial artist in general? How would it make you feel to see a guy, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, be the top of the 170 division in a, in a division filled with mixed martial artists? Right. You have a, 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 a true Brazilian jiu-jitsu right. guy. How would that make The you reality feel? is, I mean, they all do jiu-jitsu these days. You can't fight without having it in your arsenal. And having said that, I think it's neat that, to see Damien do that. And what I'll also add to that is his big problem, as they, you know, uh, Joe had uh, Joe Rogan called him the throwback, as you had mentioned. Um, but when you look at him as a throwback in the old days, the problem that they had eventually was people figure out the game. Yes, and that's the challenge that Damian Maya is going to have is because he is so powerful at one side of the game. Pretty soon. People start to learn how to how to defend uh, the clinch, how to defend but wouldn't you the takedown. Wouldn't you argue, Chris Howard, that, that the fact is is that jujitsu may be one of the most difficult uh, elements of fighting to overcome? I mean, this is oh, yeah. wrestling and jujitsu in in the early two thousand seemed to be the dominating factors in in MMA, um, and now we have MMA trained guys who do all around training uh, in their gyms. But I just I find that, that if you are a jujitsu master, it is very very challenging uh, for a boxer or a wrestler to beat you because at the end of the day they just have to tap you out they just have to get you to say I don't want to fight no more and that's that's what we saw well, yesterday. Well, it's been proven time and time again that it's they they are superior arts once you can get the person to the ground. The uh, the matches therefore had to be changed. So now you've got the gloves that don't protect the fighter's head; they protect the hand because you couldn't mm-hmm. go and slug it out like they do without breaking your hand. The the uh, the skull is very very thick, whereas the hands have so many little teeny bones that'll break easily. So you yes. couldn't box like we see people boxing in real life. Uh, but that, that's why typically they'll they'll switch to uh, palm, palm heel fist. strikes, yeah, yeah, or or hammer fists. Uh, but, but then also, you've, so you've got the, the addition of the gloves, you've got the rounds, and you've also got the uh, stand-up. So they'll stand you up if you have inaction, whereas 
in jujitsu, sometimes that's the best thing to do is to wait things out until the other person gasses, like you said, before you go and apply a choke or something like that. So um, the rules have evened out the playing field uh, to give the punchers and the kickers a, a stronger chance. I got my first black belt in a, a striking arts under Ron Van Cleef, who's the mm-hmm. who just got indoctrinated as being the oldest fighter ever to step into the octagon. Oh, wow. um, so uh, dear friend. Uh, and he, uh, when he went in, uh, he went in not knowing what to expect. He's a seventh degree black belt and hoist just, you know, wriggled around on him and, and choked him out like an anaconda. Uh, but now the rules have changed everything. So with the new rules, punchers and kickers, we get to see the rock'em, sock'em robots more often, but I don't have anything against stand-up arts. I was a stand-up artist to, to begin with. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second oh, with you, sure. Gabriel. Sure. I'm curious, um, you know, is it a problem for the UFC to have a BJJ guy be a champion? And, and especially one who isn't flashy, he, he doesn't cut the best promo, he's not really the guy that's going to sell fights with his mouth. Is that dangerous for, for UFC in a, in a time where Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey, these sort of bigger-than-life stars, uh, have, have led the sport? Absolutely not. And the only argument I need, George St. Pierre, the biggest pay-per-view draw among them in the promotion's history. Exactly the same. Everyone said he's not exciting. He just takes you down conservative ground to pound every time he's fighting. GSP became one of the biggest stars ever. And for Damian Maya, I'd like to point out, he is evolving his game. A very important stat. Only 13 strikes he's taken in his last four fights. That That's is incredible. ridiculous. Yeah. And you, by the way, I want to make sure I have the numbers. This against Gunnar Nelson, Matt Brown, Neil Magny, obviously Condit now. You tell me those four guys combined only got 13 hits on Maya? It is not his fault that guys can't stop his attack. He is doing what he needs to do to improve his stand-up so he can then facilitate his way to the ground. And, and also I want to mention that I think that the UFC fight fan has gotten smarter over the years. Yes, and, and, definitely. and what we've noticed is that fight fans are now more interested in takedowns, in grappling, in octagon control, in, uh, in, in, in all aspects of the game, not just boxing. It yeah. seems like a lot of boxing fans in the early 90s and 2000s transitioned at, into UFC fans, and that's all they wanted to see was punching and kicking. Now we're noticing that you hear the crowd uh, sort of uh, get excited when you just see a sweep or a transition that that that's really exciting for us because we are fight fans in that manner too and now the crowds are starting to come around so too, they're more sophisticated so more yes. sophisticated yeah. is a great way to put it yeah. i'd like to point out i think it's not necessarily seeing the ground game it's about action and activity mm-hmm. i know we're going to get into it momentarily but obviously when you have a fight like say anthony pettis charles Oliveira, yeah there was a lot of grappling but you got to see reversal switches the sophisticated educated fan a guy like Damian Maya, who's constantly working for it, not necessarily a guy who's just really kind of sitting, using top position and waiting, running out the clock. I think that's what makes him so successful. And then also the fans are coming around to him saying, hey, you pretty much got to get away from the boa constrictor on the ground. So yes, I think sir. that's just what fans are, what you're referring to being more educated. They don't. They understand and respect that from Maya. I think so, too. And I think all of our AfterBuzz fans watching at home would agree that being an educated fight fan can make you really enjoy the nuances of the sport more than just sort of hoping that two guys beat the crap out of each other. That's part of it. But we also want our fans to to, to know that this is important to see the artistic elements of of this sport. And um, and in that at the end of the fight, we saw that these two these are two respectable guys. Um, and 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 you actually just mentioned Pettis and Oliveira, also yes. two very well respected fighters. 
Um, Pettis coming off of a really tough couple of years. Um, he was on top of the planet uh, with a, you know coming out of WEC originally several years ago, and then making his transition transition into UFC. Um, we saw Pettis on top of the world and uh, slowly uh, get kind of taken off that throne. It was a tough way to watch Pettis go down over the last couple of years. But yesterday facing Charles Oliveira, um, and, um, you know, I honestly felt like uh, out of the gates, Pettis had a 10-8 round in the first round. And boy, did that change as the, as the course of the fight. What were your thoughts right. on the first round and how did it develop for you, uh, Gabriel? Oh, definitely. Pettis was in control. We saw just what made him so dynamic. Obviously, he was getting the edge of the striking. Even when Oliveira got him to the ground, the, his ability to reverse those positions. Mind you, Oliveira is not a slouch in jiu-jitsu either. He's a great grappler. Not only a slouch, but he yeah. has some legit... Yeah. I mean, he was a real BJJ practitioner there yesterday in that Yes, fight. he was a high-level guy. We see just the versatility of Pettis' game. Obviously, we know he's a phenomenal, one-of-a-kind striker with his running-off-the-cage kicks and things that everyone has seen already. But he has a legit ground game. Remember WEC submitting guys like Shane Roller, guys like that. So Pettis, I have to point out, in the second round, it seemed like he was starting to gas out a little bit. And I actually contributed that. It's his first time at 145. He's been a natural 155-er. I think maybe the weight cut is a little tougher on him than he expected. I expect that to change as he has more experience now. But I thought, you know, I think that it's kind of getting to him, especially when you consider that Oliveira was starting to take some solid right hands and just still coming forward. Yes. But obviously the ending of the fight, just we saw the brilliance of Anthony Pettis on the ground. Just phenomenal fight and a great debut at featherweight. And Chris Howard, I had I had uh, Pettis uh, losing round two. How did you have that fight through two rounds? You did know, you have ten eight in the first round? Well, like when I, did? I was, I, I you know I wasn't scoring it. I was, but I was. I just get so into it sure, sometimes. Sure. I, I'll lose it. But I was watching. Uh, you know what I really liked about Oliveira was the way he was closing the distance. I mean, when he when he pushed it, when he went to go for the clinch, he pushed it, pushed it, pushed it right up against the fence. He wouldn't let the pressure off, which really, really worked in his favor. But I had Pettis leading it. I mean, because at the end of the day, you just looked at the damage that was being sustained and they were yeah. uh, shots that were getting through. It's like, okay, I'm giving it to Pettis. I'm giving it to Pettis. And then uh, I was shocked, really, when uh, when Pettis uh, sank the fi- final guillotine. It just wasn't expected. And he did do that. And yeah. I want to, just before we get to that finish of, of yeah. the Pettis and Oliveira mm-hmm. fight, Charles, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Chris, tell yeah. me a little bit about uh, how difficult it is in the guard to to not only deliver ground and pound, but give me both perspectives. When you're on right. top and, and a guy is defending you with his legs, with his legs, sometimes in a butterfly guard, sometimes not, right. how hard is it to land those strikes accurately? And and give me the other perspective as well. It totally depends on the defense of the guy on the bottom. Because mm-hmm. if you've got a good defense, you can tie up the head, you can overlay the arm, and you can, you can prevent the strikes on either side. The only thing that they've got is a little rabbit punch. To the to the side because because what I was noticing was that uh, that Pettis's ground and pound in round one was incredibly effective and yet I was still very complimentary in my mind of what I was watching from Oliveira I mean right. incredible defense on the ground right. and yet the ground and pound from Pettis still exceptional yeah that is that's crazy that Pettis has that kind of skills in ground and pound talk about how hard that is for to, sure to do well that. you know it just it, it once again it's it, there's almost a broken rhythm thing that has to happen if if the guy in the bottom has a really good defense in his guard you have to break the rhythm and we can see him come over the top with an elbow and we'll see the, and and once he gets over the top and i notice that um Pettis had done that 
Uh, and Oliveira had to keep crawling his hand back in to attempt to stop that. As long as he held the bicep, he could prevent the elbow from coming over the top. Um, sometimes he had it, sometimes he didn't, hence the, the periods where he could break the rhythm and, and pound through. What I liked uh, that Oliveira was attempting to do was some up kicks, up kicks yes. from the bottom, which in, in be fact devastating. Chris, if they I hit. thought that he, he, he should have used that a little bit more. There were moments where I thought Pettis' chin was there for the up kicks. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about in a jiu-jitsu defensive position on your back, yeah. why you wouldn't want to throw those? Is that Can you get in trouble by throwing those kicks? Not at all. If anything, it's going you know, to help. And the, the kick can be to the shin, can be to the knee, can be directly to the face. Mm-hmm. And I saw him throwing a lot of those later on in the fight. Yes. Uh, but I, you know, th- those those can be very, very devastating. In fact, at one point they said that uh, they were talking about Pettis's ground and pound, but I'm like, the, the commentators are totally missing one of those mm-hmm. up kicks, which could stop the fight right there. Yeah. Um, they didn't. Agreed. Um, yeah. I, I want to mention real quick, you know, round three, they come out to scrap. It ends up being the last round as we end up finding out. Uh, but what we know, what I noticed immediately was the the BJJ of Oliveira. I thought Oliveira might have been winning that round, and then you end up seeing Pettis's BJJ defense in that round, which was with the sweeps and transitions yeah. and getting out. Yes, they have the sweat. You know, Joe Rogan always talks about the sweat that they develop by that third round, yeah. how it's easier to slip out of certain holds. But I mean, this was a clinic. Anybody who trains in mix, in mixed martial arts needs to watch this fight and look at it from both perspectives. Don't just look at Pettis. Uh, winning the fight, but look at how Oliveira lasted as long as he did, and where Oliveira gained points uh, on the ground. Um, Gabriel, talk about that third round and that that finish to that fight. That was incredible. I mean, one of the things that shocked me so much is when you have a high-level guy like Charles Oliveira not only taking you down, but taking your back. I mean, uh, I had to almost weigh it. How is this for two high-level guys... One, how is Anthony Pettis, for as good a grappler as he is, getting his back taken that many times? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Secondly, Oliveira, for being that good of a jiu-jitsu guy, how is he losing back position and ending up on his back with Pettis in his guard that many times in a fight? It's crazy, and I guess you got to just chalk it up to the fact that both of these guys, it wasn't a jiu-jitsu match, it was mixed martial arts. And the ability to throw strikes, be patient and move... That was just the most shocking. Obviously, I think uh, Charles had accumulated a lot of damage. And that way in the third round, when Pettis finally did find the opening for the guillotine, I mean, we've seen him sink it before. I was just impressed just how well Anthony Pettis was able to make adjustments, not only on the feet, but on the ground. And I think that this really does make a big statement. And I wouldn't mind seeing him against number five, Cub Swanson, next. Wow. Okay. Well, I want to get to that. We're going to get to that real quick. I just want to ask one last question. Some fight fans want to analyze the guillotine as an elementary BJJ move. Can both of you guys give me a quick soundbite on what you think about the guillotine? That was a textbook guillotine. It gets a little heat, you know. Oh, you got you got a guillotine choked out by a guillotine. That's kind of a thing in MMA. (laughs) Um, That was a no joke guillotine. Chris, tell me about that uh, guillotine. The guillotine is very dangerous, no better. And I can I get why it gets a lot of heat because it seems to be so basic, you know. Yes. It's like, yeah. but uh, he had it. I think he grabbed the chin when he went under, if I saw it correctly. And when if he did, if he if he cradled it like it appeared, it just it he's got such a good grip on the head that to to uh, it's it's very difficult to get out of that at that point. And yes. I think Oliveira, I'm trying to remember the position that he had of his body right at the moment that it happened because guillotine defense. He, he did not have, um, Pettis did not have uh, Oliveira within, in a full guard. He almost had him in a bit yes. of a half guard. He had a good grip on the neck, 
But I think so that's, he was able yeah. to stretch him out with one leg. Is that uh, he eventually got it over? So uh, oh, so yes, he got he it did, over and he closed the guard. Yes, but he had to hold. He had a good grip on Oliver's neck to begin with, and mm-hmm. that's why he was able to afford that extra real estate of time to finally lock in a full guard. Yeah, and then obviously choke him out from both sides as you're he, supposed to do in the guillotine. Yeah, he must have. He must have got. He must have sank it so fast and so deep, which is what I, I kind of got that. By the time Oliveira was able to respond, it was too late because the the defense for a guillotine is basically a hold on, tripod up on your feet, and you apply pressure with the shoulder. Sure. But if it's too late, if if you're gone, you're gone. Yeah, and of course, um, uh, and, and in this particular case, Anthony Pettis actually going over to his back at yes. placing his guard around the hips and uh, right. back of exactly. of Oliveira, which locked that thing in, and it was uh, it was history from there. Yeah. No, you, um, you mentioned something about Cub Swanson. I have to get your thoughts on that. That's the next fight then for uh, for Anthony Pettis. Yes, because. Because look at the featherweight division. This is Obviously, a throwback Con- fight, by yes. the way. Yeah, I, uh, no. I would be oh, really was... excited to see Cub Swanson fight Anthony Pettis. That is a fight that we might have saw in 2010. Oh, yeah, back now in WEC. Yes, sir. No, but here's the thing. Cub Swanson, he's having his uh, resurgence after falling a little bit off the track against Frankie Edgar and other guys at featherweight. But when you think about the logjam at the top, we talked about it last uh, show with Conor McGregor. He's still the champion. Jose Aldo is first in line. You got a guy like Max Holloway up at the top. As exciting and dynamic as Anthony Pettis is, quite frankly, there's just guys ahead of him in line, even with all the promotion and popularity Pettis has. Sure. So I think if you think about it, we're probably, even if McGregor only fights 145 for the next, you know, year and a half, let's say he's got to fight Aldo. Holloway is next. There's no saying that they won't have some kind of change in the guard at the top. I think Pettis has to work his way back up. I think a fight against Swanson, maybe then the odd person out in the McGregor-Aldo-Holloway triangle at the top. Then we could definitely say, you know what, Anthony Pettis, 145 title shot. But Absolutely. Cub Swanson is the next one in line. Yeah, and if and folks, if you, yeah. if you haven't seen our UFC 202 coverage of Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, you can check that out on uh, AfterBuzz's YouTube page or all the other distributors that and partners that we have uh, here at AfterBuzz TV. Um, it was a great coverage of that I, I really enjoyed that conversation. Oh, that was as well. a fun one to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I want to move right along now. We mm-hmm. have a lot to talk about. We have we have steamrolled through this coverage so far, but okay. we have several more fights to talk about. We even want to later on kind of have a little bit of introspective on what happened with Benson Henderson uh, on Friday night in Bellator, and that is still to come. Yeah. But for now, let's go on to Paige Van Zant yes. and Beck Rawlings. Beck Rawlings is somebody I wouldn't want to fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and uh, Paige Van Zant taking that fight, both of them on shorter notice, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, there was a there was an issue. Uh, educate our fans on what happened with her original opponent, PV, PVZ's original opponent, and then talk uh, about that finish. I, man. I, oh, I don't think God. it was necessarily a... No. I don't remember if she had an original opponent change as much as she apparently had issues with her cornerman not being able to come with her to the fight, and there was this fight week adjustment. Got it. I don't okay. know whether it's visas or anything like that. Um, Beck Rawlings, like, you know what? I always describe it. She's one of those women. She fights with, like, that gangster, you know? Yes. She comes in. She has that and, Stockton feel that Nate yeah, and Nick has. Stockton. You know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, shoot, like the female Diaz, you know? The, yes. The, the Diaz sister. And she's tatted up. And, and, and just her, and the just undercut the way haircut. she kind of has her guard with her fist, she's very... 
She's very just raw and gritty. Yeah. She looks like she could actually get paired up against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she could slip through and nobody hey, noticed. Dana's <laughs> interested. He's hey, like Christian she, Cole. And, uh, hey, she looks like she could beat up Mr. BJJ over here. <laughs> it's possible. No, but um, definitely, I mean, Beck Rawlings' insane kind of gritty and toughness. What I found surprising, obviously Paige Van Sant has been gone since December. She did Dancing with the Stars. And I've talked about this on my website. Paige needed a big victory, and she had to look good in order to justify, you know, taking her little hiatus. Because she even alluded to this. The reason that she's so unique for the movie roles and everything Hollywood is that she's different by being a fighter. Yes. Without a fighter, she's just another pretty face on the movies, just like a million others. But she has that popularity because she's a UFC fighter. And boy, is she a UFC yes. fighter. She proved it. Go ahead. You, you had well, else. I was going to say, but the first round, Beck Rawlings had it in control. She had the octagon control. Paige had some trouble getting her range going. She missed with the switch kicks. That obviously um, did get the attention of her cornerman. I, she, going into the second round, I had Paige behind. Yep. The cornerman said, hey, back to basics. Look, I think the cornerman was obviously correct, but the shot that wins the fight is not one you can argue That's against. Right. Well, what we noticed in the first round, and, and Chris, tell me yeah. if you agree with this, uh, what yeah. we noticed in the first round is we noticed that, I noticed personally, I won't speak for anybody else, that Paige was losing the fight. I mean, yeah, I don't know that she, she lost did. the first round, but I just felt like it was close, but that it just seemed like she was doing cutesy stuff. She was doing fancy stuff. And 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 uh, Beck was just coming forward, just trying to punch her in the face. And the cutesy stuff wasn't working out for PVZ that much. But what we noticed then is one kick is all it takes. Talk about that kick. That was one of the best switch kicks I've seen, one of the best kick knockouts. That will be on not only her highlight reel, but the UFC's highlight reel as they go on in a promotional package. Talk about right. that, Chris Howard. Well, you know, it was interesting. It was, it was the exact same kick that she led out with in round one. Mm-hmm. So when she came out in round one, the first thing that she flew, uh, threw was that same switch kick. Mm. So it was a... Uh, and, and what I loved about the kick was that... And it didn't uh, make such the... Uh, it didn't really land in, in round one. It landed, obviously, in round two. But she really, the first part of the kick, which was with the right leg, so she jumps up with the right leg and then does a round kick. Yeah, does a round kick over Mm -hmm. with the left leg. Mm -mm -mm. Um, But that first part of the kick, she sold that for real. If that hit, it would have, you know, it was going to do damage as well. And that's what I really appreciated about that kick because a lot of people will fake. And jump up, and it was essentially a fake, but it re- it was real. She she threw it, and she caught Beck Rawlings right on the cheek, right in the meat of the yeah. face, and Beck went to sleep right away. Uh, with mm-hmm. uh, PVZ coming in to try and drop a couple hammer fists, all just uh, none of them landed. By the way, none, none of them not landing. a single one of those hammer fists landed. Yeah, yeah. you know, and we, I have to say, you know, the refereeing in mixed martial arts in general has just gotten better and better. We don't talk about that enough as fight fans, um, as analysts of of this game. The, the refereeing has gone a long way. Even Eve Levine looked good yesterday, a guy who's taken a lot of criticism <laughs> over the years uh, as a bad referee. We, you know, there seems to be an understanding, and now the fight rules are changing. We can maybe get a little bit of conversation about that before the end of today. But we no. saw some stuff happening yesterday that if the fight rules had changed, uh, things would be different in many of these fights. But when you have a fight like what Paige Van Zant put on yesterday, there was no question about it. Boom, kick, you go to bed, I win, that's it. No, definitely. Um, real quick, we got to acknowledge UFC taking full advantage of the fact they understand Paige just got a lot of fans off Dancing with the Stars. 
Those fans aren't necessarily going to shell out $50 just to watch her on an undercard of a pay-per-view. But putting her on Fox where they could take full advantage. Hey, you, you saw her on Dancing with the Stars. Now let's catch her on Fox. She did a great move not only for herself but the UFC. So it worked out well for everybody. In terms of the referees, look, we obviously had that uh, controversy earlier in the year. The fighter in Ireland yes, who um, yes. Yes, unfortunately passed away following the fight. Obviously, there's events such as Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold. Right. That was the one everyone's talking about. How would you let him come back out for the fourth? I think a lot of the referees anymore, they're, they kind of had to take the refresher course because no one wants to be the guy that put the life at risk, you're supposed to be able to trust these guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the fact that there was any, any kind of chatter, even just the rumor of chatter, yes. with the fans made all these referees want to step up their game, make sure, hey, you know, almost even play it too cautiously, which I understand as fight fans, hey, it's got a, it's competition, let them go. But you know what? Safety first, and we're seeing a lot of great stoppages, educated referees, and they're making for just good action. So and I'm it, great with and it. And even on the independent circuit now, I actually work for a promotion called Get Down Fights here in Los yeah. Angeles. And uh, we now see CAMO, the California Athletic Mixed Martial Arts Organization, mm -hmm. uh, employing uh, uh, former fighters as judges and refs. I've seen Frank Trigg. I've seen um, a few other. There's kind of escaping me right now, but a few other great Hall of Fame professional yes. fighters are now going in to be referees because as a referee, you need to be the expert in the ring you need to be as educated about mma and and fighting as anybody in that building and we're seeing it now and i appreciate it as a fighter we are moving right along we only yeah. have uh, you know a, a, a few more things to talk about but i want to go straight to this fight my favorite fight of the night can we just spend a few minutes talking about joe lozon and Ooh. mr miller uh, you know, what we noticed in this fight was that video games can happen in real life. <laughs> it was awesome, dude. It, you know, it was as fun as the first fight just without the blood. Because yes. their war back in 2012, I remember that one being like, damn. And I'm, I'm kind of a guy yeah. who, who, who would prefer no blood in a fight because I don't like cuts being a factor in the fight. I like damage, sort of like, you know, strikes to yeah. the head, strikes to the body, weakening a guy. When you see a cut, yes, it happens with elbows and forearms and, these, yeah. and knees and these types of things, but it's nice to not have that and still see a fight like this. These guys beat the crap out of each other, Chris oh, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you go back to, uh, who are the two guys that, uh, Griffin Forrest and Griffin Bonner. and Bonner, and yes. Stephen Bonner. Yeah, they, yeah, no, they did beat the crap out of each other. You know, it looked to me the whole time that Luzon was getting the best of the fight, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like if you like play Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter video games, yeah. and they have their power bars. Yeah. And, and, but in this case, like their power bars weren't going down. They just kept like landing punches, and you know it was incredible stuff. Yes. Um, great combinations, great exchanges by both fighters. Right. I love it when you can watch a fight, and at the end of the fight, you say to yourself, like, everybody looked good in this fight. Oh, there was wasn't a, a loser. No, yeah, a war. No loser. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, but we did end up seeing obviously Miller win the fight. Yeah. Um, but Lozon, uh, 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 you know, might see some good opportunities in being able to get prize fights after putting on a show like this, as he always has. Oh, well, great. He's a, one of those guys. He's up there, I think, with Diaz and Anderson Silva for post-fight bonuses. It seems like every... I think they said it's notable if Lozon fights and he doesn't win a bonus. And if I'm not mistaken, they took fight of the night again last night. Yeah, so but, fight of the yeah. night last night was Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon, as I'm, I'm doing a little research And I think Lozon here. had yeah. more uh, bonuses than anybody else. I think he had the top, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I think he's... I want to say he's up there. I feel like he's the... I want to say he's, no. uh, if not number one in post-fight bonuses ever in UFC, 
at least top three. We have a lot of fans watching. Thank you for tuning in. But definitely in the comments, let us know we're correct. But I could swear that Lozon is like top three post five bonuses all time. Even if you're not correct, you're always correct in my heart. Oh, oh, look you. at that. There's yeah. love. There's brotherly you know love what? right you, there. In the you room. know what? The new guy knows exactly what to say <laughs> in this first week. But uh, definitely, I let. Can we talk about that decision though? Because uh, we need to talk about that. Okay. I want to talk about that before you say your opinion on that. Okay, I have to go. tell the fans this is the second week in a row we've done this show. Last week I had, did think that I had Nate Diaz winning that fight. I didn't think it was a robbery. I'm going on the record today. I think this was a robbery. I think Joe, Joe Lozon was robbed. He did win that fight to me. I had him winning round one decidedly. I had Miller winning two, and I had Lozon winning round three. You disagree? Yeah, I well, half. I do agree that Lozon uh, had the decision. I scored it for him personally at home. I actually gave uh, Lozon the first two. I gave Miller the third on damage just because he came out with that great flurry in the third round to open it that really seemed to finally back up and deliver the damage he needed to take momentum. Well, now you're just Joe. flat out incorrect. It's just, <laughs> oh, now, now there's no saving you, Gabriel. You know what? Get- George, where are you at? I got, a, I got another one. Yeah. I got another one. He actually yeah. has won more performance of the bonuses than any other fighter. Ever. I told Ever. you. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Dana and him uh, are like I golfing buddies. Wh- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Chris Howard, talk yeah. a little bit about this fight, the war, and talk about. What, am I wrong? Was it was Joe Lozon robbed in this fight? Um, yeah, I think I, I, I'm with you. I think he was robbed in the no. fight. I think that I, what I really appreciated with Jim Miller was his defense and his just his ability. Because I mean, he was on the bottom a lot, yeah, mm-hmm. and he was able to defend and he was able to keep going. I, I can't help but you know when I was watching the fight, I kept thinking. He looks, Jim, he just looks a little older and more like he had taken more wear and tear than Lozon. Mm. And Lozon just seemed to have a little bit more youth and, uh, in him. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, that spring in his step. The, the spring in his step, yeah. It just looked a little sharper, a little crisper, although they were both brilliant tacticians. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, Joe Lozon looked a little bit uh, a little bit crisper to me. Chris Howard, so, there are two types of fighters in this world. There are fighters who like getting hit in the face or don't mind it, and there are fighters who hate getting hit in the face. And you can, if you watch UFC or boxing or any of these uh, combat sports, you can notice to yourself... Yeah. Who is who? And in this fight, you saw two guys who don't mind getting hit in the face. Right. There were points where Jim Miller was coming in uh, and, and with the stand-up striking uh, when they were doing exchanges, and he was throwing short forearms with his forearms straight ahead. Um, if, you, if you're watching us on YouTube, you could see kind of the... Yeah. But right. talk about that. That is a risky uh, strike to throw. You're going to get hit when you throw that. Yes, you can, you can knock a fighter out. You can create damage. But you're going to take punishment. Talk about that, man. These guys are warriors to take that kind of punishment. We can say they're warriors, but at the same time, you know, for me, if any kind of... Any place where you allow yourself an opening to lose is a mistake. Okay. So, because as, as long as you're doing that, you're you're bound to get hit. And if you're bound to get hit, uh, you know, they, they say there's always a puncher's chance. So, somebody can take you down. So, I think from my perspective, a tighter game is to eliminate all possibility of getting hit at all. Yes. Um, and and you, when you talked about Maya, uh, he, I think you said that he's only been hit 13 times. Yeah. Um, Incredible. For me, that's that speaks about excellent defense. You know, you're, you're, what is your defense when you're closing the gap, when you're getting in for the yeah. clinch and, and all of that? But if we're going to speak about an excellent pocketbook, it is guys like this who keep getting opportunities, oh, yeah. who go in there. Well, that's and because the, the crowds fans. love it. They yeah, love the crowds it. love I it. I point yeah. out, they're on the main card for as exciting and decorated as they are. They're not even ranked. That's, you know, that's neither crazy. Neither of them is in the top mm. 15. I know. Because right. I, I was looking at that. It's like, wait, where are they at? Then I'm like... 
they're not even ranked. No, even they're though not. they're well, Kings at 200. <laughs> I mean, look, we all know they've had their hiccups. I remember obviously Miller being taken out pretty decisively by Nate Diaz. Mm. Obviously Lozon has that knockout loss to Anthony Pettis. But the fact is, fans know that they were going to bring it and put on a show. And right. that's why the UFC acknowledges that and puts them on the main card. And they shows deserve like to Fox. be on the main card, without a doubt, yes. uh, Gabriel Gonzalez. I would suggest even, these, we talked a little bit earlier about how Carlos Condit is a championship caliber fighter. A guy who wants to be a champion and really nothing else. And in this particular case, with Lozon and Miller, yeah. you have guys who are just ready to scrap and feed their children. Yeah. And I love that. And ultimately, and, it's entertainment, too. And yes. I think that oh, yeah. they, they, these guys get that. You know, yeah. Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner got that. Yes. Yeah. Um, Paige Van Zandt gets that. Yes. Those, the, they say, don't do the fancy kicks. Those fancy kicks are part of yes. entertaining the yeah. crowd. Yeah, and Rodriguez, yeah. So, you know, we didn't cover the fight, but he had another good one. Flashy style. That This stuff is what gets people in the seats. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, gets the people to tune in and obviously later on pay for that pay-per-view. Yes, that's yes. actually true. Now, um, we are we have a few more minutes we want to talk about. I want to talk about. And you know what? We're hosting the show. We're going to talk about what we want to talk about. Yeah. UFC is fan- fantastic, but I'm always about supporting all of MMA, creating of a healthy competition in the sport. And Bellator has really been making a lot of noise recently. On Friday, we saw two things I want to go over. One, Benson Henderson winning a fight in really odd fashion against Fabricio Pitbull. Two former UFC stars go into to oh, yeah. Bellator. They fight it out. Uh, Fabricio right. breaks his foot. We'll talk about that. And I want to talk about the debut of Rory McDonald, yeah. a guy who many think uh, has the the candid or the canter of a serial killer. Um, he is such a weird dude. They have this huge promo. It's got kind of that WWE style yes. entrance where he comes out and, you know, the, the, lights the, the big and screens the and the lights <laughs> and fireworks. And he comes down. And he is awkward as hell. No expression at all. Completely nervous. Ne- that's never been his thing, but it's also kind of what he is. Like that serial killer gimmick that he has, like we talk about in pro wrestling, yeah. is what makes him interesting to me. What do we expect from him? Is he a threat to uh, Michael Venom Page and Page's soaring rise to the top of MMA right now as an entertaining fighter? What are we going to see from Rory? Talk about Benson Henderson, guys. What, what do we got here? Well, definitely with Rory, the fact is... He- Okay, he had his stumbles leaving the UFC now, but that contrasting his personality versus the promo, I couldn't get over it when I watched it. It's like, you know, why didn't you just say, hey, just bring me out, just say my name and we'll do the interview. But they had the pageantry, the pump and flesh. But I do think that Roy (laughs) McDonald, okay... You got to think, how is he coming off that loss to Robbie Lawler and now Wonderboy Thompson? Because when we talked about it, Rory was quite frankly flinching a bit when Stephen Thompson was going at him. Yes. And I think that says a lot about just how much damage he took. He's still a relatively young guy. Yes, he is. And so I think we are going to, we're going to see him fight Michael Venom Page, MVP. Now, where he's at though. I think that's going to say a lot about how many more years he has in his career. Is he going to be able to get back to form? Or is he maybe just he lost something in that fight with Robbie Lawler? But definitely, I think he has the ability to make waves. And I'm excited to see him in Bellator. Chris Howard, tell me your thoughts on Michael Venom Page. If you guys haven't seen the footage, go on to YouTube and look for him in his fight against Cyborg Santos, where he crushed. He actually gave him a knee so hard to the top of his head here. Uh, If you look at the x-ray, it all shattered into his head. Actually, a really scary moment for MMA fight fans and people who care about these guys as human beings. 
Talk about that, Chris Howard. That talk about that knee. Talk about MVP. And is Rory Mac, uh, Rory McDonald, a um, a threat to MVP's rise? It's not golf, well, Christian. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Like, we, 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 it's easy to do when you watch enough ESPN. McIlroy McDonald. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think anytime you sustain a lot of damage, that's a problem. Right. Uh, we've just seen time and time again that people. That have been hurt badly, and we see it with we saw it with George St. Pierre, we saw it with Anderson Silva, we see every time. So, and we saw it with. Are you alluding to McDonald now, right? What's that? Are you alluding to McDonald? McDonald. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, anytime you sustain a lot of damage, uh, the chances of coming back they go down because it takes something. You know, it does something to the psyche. Yeah. Does something to the psychology, and it takes. There's just wear and tear on that, and uh, we and that goes back to the same question that we had with uh, Condit tonight. Can he come back after the defeat and after the loss? So when we talk about uh, Robbie, it's uh, Rory. Uh, Rory yeah. uh, sorry, uh, when we talk about Rory, is he going to come back uh, or is he going to be a, a threat to anybody out there? I don't know. Uh, I don't Chris, know. Chris Howard, talk talk a little bit about uh, Bellator and the current status of Bellator. Is this a company that has any possibility of threatening UFC? We're noticing a lot of guys in UFC a little disgruntled, looking for other places to make money to feed their kids. And uh, some guys not really too keen on the way that Conor McGregor's treatment uh, from Dana White, the buddy-buddy sort of relationships, the sort of bias that we're seeing in UFC. Not everybody agrees with that uh, analysis, but that is sort of the rumbles around MMA. Can Bellator be an alternative for fighters? And could be could Bellator champions be taken seriously as Hall of Famers in the game? It's it's a fascinating thing with Bellator. I mean, I talked to Hoist Gracie right when they were launching Bellator, and he was going over as the ambassador for Bellator at the time. And uh, and I thought it was kind of neat that they were bringing back all these old guys, all the people that hadn't been on, you know, and fought out there forever, but they still had a following, probably more with baby boomers who saw them fight in the beginning, you know, yeah, so sure, sure. they were bringing their following over. Uh, and and then the fight card started to get interesting. And it was like, OK, this is this is something worth watching. I think that the likelihood of them being a real competitive uh, threat to the UFC is virtually nil. Okay. My thought mm-hmm. is that they will probably end up getting, getting bought by the UFC. Okay. Yeah, that's probably where it'll go from my perspective. Sure, sure. I think, you know, we saw when UFC bought Strikeforce, obviously Bellator suddenly swept in as the number two promotion. So you do still need a different, you know, organization besides UFC. Not everyone can just go from local show to UFC. There have to be... It's just how the business is. Now, that said, um, when you look at guys like Eddie Alvarez, now you got Will Brooks. We've had Hector Lombard here for a while. The idea Czech Congo that, now going yes. in, and a big fight for him coming up in uh, in Bellator. Yeah, well, what I was saying is my point, the former Bellator champions coming in and really kicking butt in the UFC. Obviously, these guys coming in and we got Eddie Alvarez winning the title now. Yes. So the fact, saying that the Bellator champions are illegitimate or not world class, it's a case by case basis. Obviously, you look at... Um, I'm trying to think who's their welterweight champion before Michael Venom Page. The, um, the re- ben Askren. Askren. You know, he's a guy, okay, maybe he's not going to catch the the fire popularity like a guy uh, just absolute banger like Eddie Alvarez is. But he's another guy, okay, maybe not going to UFC, maybe not star bound. So it's a case by case. Regarding the having the veterans come in and fight, look, no disrespect to Hoist Gracie. We all know he's a legend. But that fight with Ken Shamrock sometimes, yeah, and looked, you watch him, it looked rigged. It, it's yeah. it's like a are they putting? Are we watching MMA? Or are we watching the circus? Yeah. Right, right. And you know, with uh, Kimbo Slice uh, and uh, yes, some of the and areas. I want to be careful with that because obviously respect to the All late Kimbo to, Slice. Yes. Yeah. But even that fight live in the moment, none of the aftermath. 
Um, what are they doing selling us this? Well, you know, Dada 5000 necessarily wasn't necessarily yes. ready for that fight. Um, but uh, Bellator kind of has a gimmicky wasn't feel ready to it. at the time, quite Agreed. frankly. Yes. But, but so, those were gimmicks. They weren't. It, yeah. it wasn't because of the fighting capacity of the two fighters. I mean, they're old guys. You yes. know, Hoist and uh, and Ken are so, old. So <laughs> that's why I'm back and forth. Bellator is a perfectly solid promotion. Sure. I'm not a big fan of these gimmick fights, but I understand that it's how they get their revenue when they don't have the name brand of the UFC guys available. You and I are on different sides of the fence on this one. Sure. I love the idea of a gimmicky fight. I am so excited for CM Punk to fight regardless oh, of his inexperience. Oh I am so excited. <laughs> and I mean it I mean, genuinely. It's like, yeah, you have to have like a little bit of like bells and whistles because sure. not everybody's just going to mm-hmm. get into MMA just because it's MMA. They need reasons. Maybe they can even get Rory McIlroy to come in and fight like a golfer. And then, <laughs> and then we can bring the golf world <laughs> in. Rory, see, that's why I like, versus Rory McDonald. I like the, I like the old <laughs> Matches where you had Hoist fighting a 600-pound sumo wrestler and having you yes. know, having the differences in sizes. And Me stuff. too. I like that stuff, Me and too. I also liked I also liked the uh, when they would go three fights in an evening. I thought that was fantastic. Tournament style fight. Yeah, yes. that, I don't think we're going to see that. Real again. quick, gentlemen, yeah. can I get quick thoughts on Benson Henderson and his future? I think that Benson Henderson, um, we still got to see where he's at following that loss. Um, he did win last night. He wasn't winning that first round. No, he, he was, was a little tentative. That said, Benson Henderson is a five-round fighter, so that's another one we'll never know. Not only is he a five-round fighter, Gabriel Gonzalez, but he is a megastar in the sport. Oh, Chris, yeah. uh, can Benson Henderson take uh, Bellator to the next level? Well, I think it's going to be, once again, it's it's not, uh, you know, it's not. do we have that positive psychology? It's can, can we get back up afterwards? Mm-hmm. So we're going to see, is he able to get back up? Is he mm-hmm. able to, to recover and ever reach where he was before. Absolutely. And he's got to get Michael... If he wants to be a star again, he's got to take out Michael Chandler in decisive fashion, show, hey, this is why I was brought in to get the big money. And I think they got a great fight. That's a great matchup. I agree with you there. Uh, Mr. Chris Howard, tell our, our AfterBuzz fans where they could find you. Reach sir. me at Chris Howard Live on Twitter and Instagram. Also go to LegendaryLivingDaily.com for tips, inspiration, motivation, that type of stuff. Check it out. LegendaryLivingDaily.com. Daily.com. And for you, Mr. Gabriel nice. Gonzalez. You can find my website gonzo13.wordpress.com and let's talk UFC at Twitter double G on TV Gabriel Gonzalez is the type of guy who will talk about MMA all day oh, every yeah. day hit him up at 3.30 in the morning he is down <laughs> folks if yeah, you enjoyed this the next day <laughs> <laughs> folks if you enjoyed this After Buzz coverage of UFC Fight Night 21 on Fox please like share comment subscribe do all that good stuff you can follow me at Xtian Cole X-T-I-A-N C-O-L-E I will be at Paragon Pro Wrestling in Las Vegas on September 8th Thank you so much for joining us. Tweet us, let us know. Join the conversation, everybody. This was AfterBuzz coverage of UFC 21 on Fox. See you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.